If you could believe it, we're still on the air. 20th episode, Joe Mappa here alongside my friend PJ Glasser. And PJ, this week, you finally came back a little bit in our pick segment. More on that later. Uh, I didn't have the best week of football picks. I went one and four. But some of the other things I said throughout the episode last week are slowly coming true or already came true. First and foremost, the Lakers. Um, I guess we won't find out until tomorrow night or tonight when you listen to this. We're recording this Thursday evening this week after some schedule quirks. But uh, tonight, when you listen to this, will be game five. I said no shot, no chance, 0%. The series goes beyond five. And I'm sticking to that. I mean, the Lakers uh, in game four proved their might once again. They're wearing officially the Black Mamba Kobe jerseys in game five, which they've yet to lose in. Uh, so 0% chance just became a negative 25% chance the Heat wins. So that's the first thing. Second thing, and we'll continue with basketball in a moment, but I wanted to knock these all out the park while, while we're in a row. Second thing was our ALCS picks. You went for the fun raise A's, and I went for the Yankees-Astros. Now, we'll see on the Yankees. They're going to have game four tonight, game five on Friday. But the Astros are through, yeah. so there's that. And then on the flip side, I said it, that the Marlins and Padres – I might not take a game. I said the Padres are the only team that could beat the Dodgers. I did say that. Uh, but I said the Marlins wouldn't take a game. Sweet. Uh, I said You're that. You're just really patting yourself you know, on hey, the back here. I was getting to the point. I was getting to the point. Our dear friend and former guest, hopefully future guest again, Tim Murray said, whenever you get something right, you got to flaunt it a little bit. So you know what? Today's my day to pat well, myself on the back. Well, that's why when we get bit. to best bets, I'm going to have my, <laughs> It'll be 30, your turn. Exactly. my 30 seconds. Exactly. That's why I jumped with this out of the gates because I know that when we get to best bets, you finally Fair had enough. your good week, so you're yeah. going to do that. I did. Now, long roundabout back to basketball. What we saw out of the Lakers and Heat in the last couple of games, the Heat, like we said last week, it's going to take a perfect performance from them. It's going to take an otherworldly performance from Jimmy, like that 40-point triple-double, to even take a game, and they did that. Uh, but there's just nothing left in the tank there. I told you I thought the Heat were good enough to get one. You have Eric Spolster as coach. Game three was even competitive, too. I mean, they had their chances – to make it interesting, midway through that fourth quarter, it was hovering around 10, 11, 12 points the entire time, and they just could not make a shot. Lakers won that one, and that was game two, excuse me. And then game three was the Jimmy game, as you just said. They got Bam back for game four, and that game was close. At halftime, they were down two. Third quarter, it was close. And then the Lakers kind of pulled away at the end. Game five, you mentioned a couple episodes ago, LeBron has never lost the game five when they're up 3-1. You got that going for you. You got the Mamba jerseys going for you. And it's, it's kind of looking like the perfect storm right now for the Lakers. I do think the Heat will make it again a close, competitive game. But between LeBron or Anthony Davis, whoever it is closing out the game, I, I think the Lakers take care of business. They win the NBA Finals. And finally, Joe, everyone in the NBA gets to go home and back to their homes and leave the bubble. Sus. You know, those guys have been in there for more than 60 days. So I'm sure they're itching to get home. And, it, you know, it, I, I don't want to, again, get ahead of myself here, but I'm really excited to see the Lakers celebration when they do win it because it's going to be a lot of emotion on that team. Hopefully they do it in five or in seven. Because in game six, they won't be wearing the Mama jerseys because it'll be a Heat home game and the Heat will be in black. Mm. Um, so hopefully it's in five or seven. I mean, just what, when everything happened back in January, and then from that point on, you kind of knew, kind of felt this team would kind of be that team of destiny. And um, you didn't know that the curveball of the pandemic and the three-month layoff was going to come into the mix. And through every single thing, they're still here. They're still – a game away from winning it and doing it for Kobe, like has been their goal the whole year. Uh, and to do it so far, only losing four games total in the postseason. Um, it's a heck of a run. It's, it's one of those runs that's going to go down in history for a multitude of reasons. It was so unusual. It was great performance after great performance on neutral court. And if you ask some people, this is one of a harder, one of the harder titles to win. If there's yeah. an asterisk next to it, it's because it's harder because there's no, all right, well, we lost this game. Well, we're going back to our home crowd, hostile environment for the next game. No, it's our best, your best, everything else out of the equation. Let's see who wins. And to go through it, if they win in game five, 16 and four, uh, do it in those mama jerseys. The emotion and the celebration is going to be something to behold. And LeBron, the three titles he's won, every single one of them has had a really intriguing celebration afterwards. The first one, just 
joyous, dancing, finally got over the hump. The second year was more interesting because he had that kind of arrogance about him. He's like, oh, I got a taste for it. I got one. Here's the second, that famous shrug when he's holding both of the trophies. Then the one with Cleveland, you know, the whole Cleveland, this is for you, and, and his tears and Kyrie's tears. So all of them have been interesting and unique in their own way, and I'm sure this one would be as well for a totally different reason. Uh, just the, the weight off the shoulders of this whole year they've been doing it for Kobe. And now, like you said, haven't seen their families in how long. So uh, a lot of things are just going to come to a head possibly tonight, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see. And it'll just make the Jordan and LeBron conversation that much more interesting. This would be his most impressive title, if not for the uh, one against Golden State. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. There we I'm go. I'm saying had, if he didn't a, have You that. had a second yes, half yes, of that yes. sentence. No, no, I didn't no. let you get to it. This, this okay. would be his most uh, – the Golden State one. I mean, that was a 72-win team. They were down 3-1. Absolutely. He had to win two road games at Oracle. I mean, that – not only is that his best one, I mean, you could argue that's the most impressive championship maybe ever in NBA history because in a regular year, not this year because the Nuggets have won two three one series, but normally we know how hard it is in the NBA to come back from 3-1. So for him to do that in the finals against the Warriors team that had won 72 games that year, that is his best one. But for all the things you mentioned, this one is pretty darn impressive especially that they didn't have Avery Bradley on their team. And on LeBron's championship teams, he's had that third guy. He's had Bosh when he's had Wade as his sidekick. He's had Love when he's had Kyrie as his sidekick. And this year with Anthony Davis, we've all, we've all talked about who that third guy would be for the Lakers. Rondo's really emerged as that guy, but Rondo's not prime Rondo, what he was when he was playing with the Celtics. So credit to LeBron. People will knock him for this championship maybe because they didn't get the Clippers in the Western Conference Final. The Clippers couldn't beat the Nuggets. I mean, that's not his fault. It's just like in March Madness. You can't blame teams for who they don't play on their way to the title. So whether the Lakers wrap it up tomorrow night or game six, seven, whatever it is, it'll be be quite uh, impressive and it'll just add to the the fuel between him and uh, the Jordan debate. Absolutely. You still got a ways to go for that, but – Certainly in a year that we saw the last dance during quarantine to come out of the quarantine and then have LeBron win another title, the debate will pick up once more. I hope he gets a fifth because it would be great drama, you know, 36 or 37-year-old LeBron coming back, trying to get that seventh ring. And I think in a a lot of people's eyes, the Cleveland one counts as two almost. Uh, No, but... (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I, so. I, I see it as a two, but uh, look, I think Jordan's the goat. You, you, get, you, the goat, you get one ring for winning one title, no matter how you got there. Just like you said, uh, you know, you, you can't pick who you play on the way to a title. One title is still one title, and that's it. That there's no two rings to try to make it a more interesting debate. He won one title, and that was it. Fair enough. <laughs> but now, players trying to win a title in a different sport. Two baseball, as we promised, before we get into our football for the day. The Astros are on this revenge tour, PJ, and it's picking up steam. They didn't have much issue with the Twins, who still can't win a playoff game. They had one blip on the radar against the A's, took it in four. And now they will get the Rays or the Yankees, and they're going to be doing it with a couple of extra days off because the Yankees and the Rays, I think, are going to a game five. Um, By the time you listen to this on Friday, it could be obsolete. The Yankees could have lost on Thursday night in game four, but I think it's going to be five. Either way, we could have a Yankees-Astros series. And even if it's Rays-Astros, there's bad blood between them as well uh, from last year and with the Astros eliminating the Rays in the playoffs in the past when they've cheated. So either way, it's going to be a high-drama matchup in the ALCS. It will be. And, you know, it's the way the Astros have won these games. Minnesota was all their pitching. I mean, they, they really weren't scoring many runs in those two games, but their pitching shut down Minnesota. And then here in this Oakland series, uh, game one, they scored seven runs. Yesterday, they scored seven runs. And then today, here they are with 11 runs. So we knocked them during the regular season because all those guys, the Correas, the Altuves, the Springers, the Bregmans, all their averages were down because they weren't quote-unquote cheating. So now here they are in the postseason when you're facing the best pitching and they are just absolutely raking right now. It's kind of interesting that they're doing this in Dodger Stadium, um, you know, against, against the athletics. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, I still think whoever wins the Tampa Yankees series will go to the World Series. I think those are the two best teams. 
I really think the Yankees made such a big mistake in that game too. Not necessarily starting uh, Garcia, but then making him the opener and making that a bullpen game. I just, I did not understand that. And they had such a good game. One, obviously Garrett Cole was pitching, but you know, I understand that you were facing Glass now and you were saving Tanaka for game three, but even so, I mean, let Garcia try and eat up a couple innings for you. You got a gift because Chapman didn't pitch in game one. So he had all that rest leading up to the game one, and then he didn't even pitch in game one. So you could have gone two innings in game two, and I just thought they made a mess of that. Then they lost last night with Tanaka, and now they got Jordan Montgomery on the mound trying to save their season. So we're going to find out how good the Yankees are tonight because obviously they're going to do everything it takes to force a game five to get it to Garrett Cole where they feel like that's their chance to win it. So it's going to be interesting, Joe, but I tell you, man, Tampa, they just, I mean, they are the epitome of money ball, right? You don't know a lot of guys in their lineup, but they just plug and play and they got a lot of good talent on that. Randy Arozarena, another one he's just mashing right now for them. 99% of the people probably never heard of until this series and still probably uh, don't know how to pronounce his name <laughs> exactly I don't even know if I pronounced it properly I think I did right. uh, now uh, one thing from game two you mentioned Moneyball to the 10th degree for the Rays the way they play it they're smart that's why they keep having success that's yes. what they do the Yankees tried to outsmart them in game two and it blew up in their face it made no sense to have Davey Garcia pitch one inning and then go to J.A. Happ who said he didn't want to do that that he didn't feel comfortable coming out of the bullpen after one inning and it blew up in their face. They're a team that has the highest payroll, or next to it. I forgot the number if, if the Dodgers, Dodgers frog them. The Dodgers probably leapfrog them. But the Yankees are up there um, with a ridiculous payroll. And they should just be bludgeoning the Rays right now. That's what, they should, that's what their goal should be. Go out there, score nine, and that's it. And they try to outsmart the Rays, and it backfires. And that tipped the scales momentum-wise going into game three. And – now they lost game three, and now they're sitting facing elimination and the whole se- tie of the series turned in game two. So the, the Yankees are a team that is going to go out there and just outclass you. The Rays are a team, they're that plucky kid on the playground who needs to rely on his wit and his humor or something to not get beat up on the playground. And they got into a battle of wits with that kid instead of just pounding him. Now, I'm not condoning bullying. That was a horrible analogy. I don't want it to, to be construed that way at all, but it was just the, the only analogy I could think of in the moment as far as uh, what I would compare to the Yankees race series to and what happened in game two. So they've dug themselves a hole. They can get out of it. I think they will get out of it personally, especially knowing that Garrett Cole will be going in game five. I will trust him in that big moment. He seems to have that it factor that the analytics can't quantify going out there on short rest in a game five where he'll grit his teeth. He'll take the ball kind of like a Max Scherzer and he'll just go out there and hurl and he will beat you. So I think as long as they can get through tonight. And Jordan Montgomery, underrated, uh, solid pitcher all year for the Yankees. I think he could go out there and give them four or five solid innings. Maybe Davey Garcia available because he only pitched one inning the other day, and their bullpen uh, is still solid in some parts, and they've got some arms they could use to get through to, to, through tonight into game five. And again, if they get to game five, I think they take it. Out west, I don't know if you were up last night and saw the Cody Bellinger catch yes, if not catch. you certainly saw it over and over today. no i was watching it live that, i mean that that was the series i was most looking forward to mm-hmm. i thought rays yankees would be the most competitive but i wanted to see san diego versus the dodgers because like you said we thought that the padres were probably the best team equipped that could beat the dodgers out of the nl um but Bellinger, look, he, he's been struggling all season with his bat. He had a home run last night, and then he made the defensive play of the game to Rob Tatis. You know, the Padres are a team of momentum, isn't it? It's just incredible with them. I mean, they were quiet the whole game. Machado hits that homer. Hosmer right away follows it up with the homer. They get a little bit of momentum. And then Tatis, that was the play that could have changed the series. He hits that. They win the game. And instead, Bellinger robs them. There was some late games. They still almost won the game. (laughs) They had a great shot. But uh, the Dodgers hung on. And that just gives you a sense that maybe this is the year for the Dodgers. I think so. I think we've said it from the beginning. And like we said last week, we both thought the Padres were the only team that could beat them in the NL. The Braves are maybe making a second guess that after the way they look. But with a grain of salt, we take that because they're playing the Marlins, who were a fun story. But have now stepped up a weight class, and we see that. But uh, we agreed last week that 
Only the Padres could do it. But we could just as easily see the Dodgers sweeping the Padres. Like, it, it was such a weird paradox. Padres the only team that could beat them, but they could also get swept. That's how good the Dodgers are. Yeah. It was going to take the Padres having some luck go their way, having that ball hit off of Bellinger's glove or be an inch further uh, to, to win this series, you know. Uh, so I look ahead and, and, again, still see them as the team in the NL. But the Padres are going to be fun for years to come because that team's not going Hell anywhere. Yeah. And it's only yeah. going to get better. It's all, they're only going to get better. You got to remember, Clevenger's hurt again. So when they get him back for next year, they'll have Lamette back for next year. They still got a good little minor league system. So the Padres, you just feel for – I think the Padres are the professional team I feel for the most of their fans who couldn't watch them. And of all the sports, I, I would have liked to see San Diego watch this team because they just have so many fun – you know, the Rays – are boring in a sense and quiet because they have no household names. But the Padres with Tatis and Manny, I mean, they got stars that are, you know, that will will make – that's who you want to see when you come to the ballpark. So would have loved to seen the Padres win that game last night because it really would have made it interesting. But Dodgers just have no holes, Joe. I mean, you know – There's they, one. There's one. And it reared its ugly Jansen, head last maybe? night and Kenley Jansen – uh, because he nearly blew that game for them. And I think you're going to see Joe Kelly being the closer going forward. Kenley Jansen is the one thing that can derail the Dodgers, and they got to get him out of the closer spot as quick as they can so he doesn't derail that. Yeah, but, like, again, I mean, here they have Dustin May starting tonight, who throws a 98-mile-per-hour two-seamer that'll start in the middle of the plate and will jam you at right-hand hitter. So they're just they're so loaded their lineup again Bellinger's hit six in their lineup exactly. so I was I did a double luck. take when I watched game one because I hadn't you know I admittedly hadn't watched the Dodgers in a little bit because I didn't really pay attention to their wild card against the Brewers I knew they were going to breeze through that and they had had their situation wrapped up for the last the whole month of September really so right. I didn't watch the Dodgers in a little bit until this Padres series I watched the whole of both games and I saw Bellinger batting six and I'm like wait a minute but it's not because he's not good. It's just because they're loaded, and it's right. unbelievable. It's, no. it's absolutely unbelievable. Well, I'm hoping, you know, we're able to get Tim Kirchin back on because I've heard him say that he this is the best Dodgers team he's seen in his 40 years covering baseball. If they go on to win the World Series, I want to know where this team ranks all time. Because, Joe, I'm trying to think back to the past champions we've had, and, I mean, from a roster standpoint, they check off a lot of boxes. I mean, you mentioned Jansen really is maybe the only hole, but other than that, man, I mean, they got starters, they got bullpen dudes, their lineup, and it's not just their starters. I mean, they mix and match Peterson with Kike Hernandez and Pollock and Gavin Lux, and I mean, they just—they're uh, so loaded. So if they ended up if they end up winning it all, they could go down as a pretty historic team because they are really, really good. And it's a team that you really hope does win it because the talk has been, you know, as far as discrediting the World Series or not, people have said, oh, you know, if it's one of these teams that just gets hot like a Padres or, or like a Rays, even though the Rays have been tremendous, and I think they would have been tremendous at 162-game season yeah. as well. Those are the teams where people will be like, oh, I'm going to discredit that. But if you get the best of the best, if you get a Dodgers-Yankees, there's no discrediting that because that's the World Series that everybody imagined in a 162-game season. So even though we took a little detour in 60 games and a quirky playoff system, we still got to that same end result, and it's going to be best on best for seven games colliding. I will say this last point on baseball is, you know, we talked about Virginia, obviously, UNBC coming back the next year winning it. Lightning, Columbus coming back the next year winning it. The Braves – was their moment of that the Cardinals last year? You give up a 10 spot in the first inning. Here they are. I mean, they've been a per playoff perennial team really the last five, seven years. Maybe not necessarily winning the NL East, but they've won it the last three years. But they have made it into the playoffs, and they've always lost in the first round. And they always get back there. And that Cardinals game, game five, a lot of people liked them. They give up a 10 spot in the first inning, and then here they are. They haven't lost a game yet in the postseason. So you just wonder if maybe the Braves, this is their year. I don't know. I'll tell you what. If they do beat the Dodgers, I think they beat the AL winner. If, if they beat the Dodgers, then I will pick them to win the World Series. If the Dodgers win, 
we'll we'll see we'll see what happens in the AL. But uh, that, that's my only caveat that maybe Atlanta after what happened in the Cardinals, who knows? All right, I can see it. And now uh, we look over to college football. And last week we both thought about picking this team in our best bets of the week. We both avoided it. The classic Mike Leach letdown game we saw in the SEC down in your country yeah. there. Um, the SEC right now, is, it's been a fun couple of weeks. We saw LSU go down. We saw the team that beat LSU go down. Uh, the, it's gonna, look, we all knew that college football would really start once the SEC came back after those first couple of weeks, just Big 12 and some of the all, other smaller conferences. But it's back. It's been fun through two it weeks. It is back. And look, I mean, you got to give more credit to Arkansas than I think you do Mississippi State. Arkansas played Georgia better than Auburn did. I mean, they, they truly, they really truly did. And, uh, and then obviously they beat Mississippi State on the road. Now they're at Auburn this week. Joe, I don't know if you caught this, but Gus Malzahn was asked about, you know, what's the difference between this Arkansas team? And he's like, they're just a really well-coached team this year. Well, Gus's offensive coordinator happens to be the ex-Arkansas head coach, Chad Morris. So maybe you shouldn't be saying how well of a coach team Arkansas is when <laughs> ex-coach is on your coaching staff. But, um, but no, I mean, that's what we talked about with Mike Leach is when he's your coach, that's what you get. You'll get the great wins against LSU, and then you could be, you know, prone to these home losses against Arkansas. That's life in the SEC, though. We thought really that Arkansas and Vandy would be the only bye weeks in this conference. But Arkansas, I mean, they're not looking like a pushover. So Auburn, there are only 13.5-point favorites now at home. That line continues to drop against Arkansas. Mississippi State goes on the road this week to Kentucky. I'm just going to let you know, Joe, that that game is my <laughs> best bet. So we'll see what happens with that one. But, uh, yeah, uh, Mississippi State was, was pretty surprising. I, I thought they'd have a letdown after that win, but I did not think that they – would lose to Arkansas at home. That was definitely a big shot. Now, a quick under-the-radar shout-out. One of my friends that I graduated high school with, he's on the staff at Coastal Carolina as a GA. They've been one of the most fun teams to watch. They've looked incredible. Their game was supposed to be for the fourth week in a row on national TV on Saturday. It got pushed to, I believe, Wednesday uh, because of Hurricane Hurricane, Delta. So thoughts with everybody, obviously, in Louisiana. LSU already moved their game to Columbia against the Zoo. Coastal Carolina was down there to play. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette, who's the top team in that conference. So that's one of the games of the week. That is one of the games of the week. We get it on Wednesday. And now, PJ, we talked about how the fall schedule for football could be incredible. We are now under different circumstances, it'd be more fun. We'd rather not be the circumstances because it means teams have tested positive for COVID. But we're going to get a doubleheader on Monday, according to Adam Schefter, the regularly scheduled Monday night game for this week, Chargers Saints plus. Patriots, Broncos move to Monday night. Oh, nice. Bills, Titans, if the Titans have no more positive tests, is Tuesday night. Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, Lafayette is Wednesday night. Oh, and then, but we do not have a Thursday night game because the Bills were scheduled to play the Chiefs on Thursday. If they play Tuesday, that game is moved to Saturday. So right. we, we sacrifice. We'll have baseball, we though. Sac- we'll exactly. Have baseball. We sac- that's what I was going to say. Oh, we sacrifice Thursday night football, but we have baseball to fill the void. And it means Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday football this week. So – that's something to look forward to. I mean, that is outstanding. Can they just make it permanently two Monday night football games? I, I was going to tweet the same thing it is on Monday. So I was going to wait until Monday. I love it every year. Every the, It's fantastic. On the opening week. Fantastic. We've had it now two out of the first four weeks, and we're about to have it for three out of the first five. I love it. So I would rather you. I would rather that than a Thursday game because nobody, yeah. nobody likes a Thursday game. Anyway. Nobody does. It. Teams look at their schedule. They dread it. The only Thursday game that is acceptable that the league enjoys is Thanksgiving. The Cowboys, the Lions, they enjoy right. it. Right. It's fine. You'll leave that yes. alone. But the rest of the league, they hate their mandatory Thursday night game. Get rid of it. Do a doubleheader Monday. I'd even take a Tuesday game if that meant that. But nobody likes Thursday. Uh, look, it's fun. Right. But- and, and how much better is it for everybody, you know, when you're starting the work week, knowing that when you get home, you get not one, but two NFL games exactly. on at night. Exactly. It's so, the only thing that can make Mondays better. Uh, Joe, I'm totally with you on that. I, I mean, you know, we get a taste of it every year, week one, and then we go to Thursday night football. And it's nice to have a game Thursday because you get something during the week. But when I get to Monday, and especially having Chiefs, Chiefs Patriots this past week, I'm like, oh, yeah. 
this is nice. <laughs> Having two games, I enjoy it. Of course, it. of course. Now, you. before we get fully into the NFL, two games I wanted to point out this week in the college football slate that are big games for different reasons. Now, the Big 12, with Oklahoma losing on the road uh, against Iowa State, yeah. uh, they're probably shot. There's no chance, it seems like at this point, that a Big 12 team is going to make the college football playoff. Oklahoma was probably their hope. That's gone two losses already. I mean, if Iowa State can run the table after their loss in the opening weekend, maybe Iowa State's that team. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but Red River rivalry, we got it already yeah, five times early in the back. season. I, I, could, I barely <laughs> said it once. But I'm not say saying that. it again. <laughs> uh, you got Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma back against the wall. Texas lost in terrible fashion against uh, against TCU. TCU. Yeah. And it was on bad beats with SVP. One of the all-time the safety, bad that's, beats. That's rough. For anybody who didn't see it. The For the over-under. Was, yeah. yeah, the total was 62 and a half. And there was a whole lot of confusion at the end. TCU took up intentional safety. And it looked like there was one second on the clock, but then it ran to zero. But then they intentionally took holding penalties on the play. So there was some confusion as to whether or not the penalties would negate the safety. But that doesn't negate the scoring play. So the safety counted, and then the clock was at zero. So that was the game, and it was sixty. Uh, it went to 64 madness. after being at 62.5. Total madness. But Texas-Oklahoma, two teams that desperately need a win. Texas barely squeaked by Texas Tech. They lost last week. Oklahoma already had two losses. A lot of intensity in this year's Red River rivalry game. I said it for you again. Joe, question for you. If Texas were to lose this game by two touchdowns, 17 points, does Tom Herman have a job on Monday? Oof. Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, all we've heard for a couple of years is Texas is back, and they struggle early in the year, but then they succeed late, and they go ahead and they win a, a bowl game over an SEC team. And, uh, you know, Sam Ellinger gets up there, we're back. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, No, you're not. So, so he, it's been an up-and-down tenure so far for Herman. He's had early season struggles, but he succeeded late. But at that school, you want to be in the national championship game. You want to get to the college football playoff. They're trying to be Oklahoma. They're exactly. not trying to be but, TCU. So I will say no. I will say no. I know that that's a place where you could be overreactive, but I think he's still liked by the fans. I think the school is on the right trajectory in recruiting, and they've won their bowl games. They've gotten two good bowl games. They won a New Year's Six Bowl. So I will say no. But if the year continues and they start losing to teams they shouldn't lose to, like a Texas Tech, like a Kansas State, I don't, any uh, the middle of the pack, Baylor, Big right, 12 right. teams, Baylor, who actually paused their season because of COVID outbreak until at least uh, two weeks from now. Oh. Um, if they lose to those teams, maybe. But if you come out of the gates and you lose to TCU and you lose to Oklahoma – I don't think so. I think he's got the program going in the right direction as much as everybody likes to joke about Texas because they've been saying they're back ever since Colt McCoy and, and, and Mac Brown left. They've been claiming they're back and they're still far from back, but they're getting closer to back. So I think you, I think you keep Herman. Uh, another school that's historic. We've been waiting for them to come back. They look back, but they're going to get a, a taste of reality this week is Miami. That's the other game I wanted to highlight before yeah. we get to our best NFL and then our best picks. Uh, on the road against Clemson, two touchdown dogs. A little dose of reality coming for the Canes this week, I think. See, to me, this feels like one of the first ACC games in a while that Clemson has played where you're like, they're going to win, but you want to see how close the game is. True. You feel like Miami can maybe keep it competitive. Like, I think Miami can score with Clemson. I think they could put up 30 points on them. Their Kings um, tremendous, so yeah. But – uh, again, I just I don't think they're going to stop them. I will say this about Clemson. The games they do lose are the ones where they're big favorites, whether it's against Syracuse yeah. or UNC when they almost lost last year. Or Pitt UNC or a top-10 team right now, by the way. They are. Um, maybe, when, maybe Texas should bring back Brown back. <laughs> they should. <laughs> and then right? they'd be back. That's true. <laughs> um, but Clemson, when it's usually these kind of games, whether it's – Lamar's Louisville team or the Notre Dame team that was top five. These, ga these games tend to be kind of close. It just depends on how good Miami is. This is a stay-away game for me. Clemson is a two-touchdown favorite. I just want to see how these teams look. 
But I just think it's nice that Clemson's finally playing somebody in the ACC, and you just want to see what the outcome is. You're not expecting this game to be over at halftime. Trevor Lawrence hopefully will play the entire football game. Um, so we'll see what happens. Joe, I'll ask you, do you think Miami has a better chance of pulling the upset against Clemson, or do you think Tennessee has a better chance of pulling the upset against Georgia? Miami, 14-point dogs. Tennessee, 12-and-a-half-point dogs. Can I say neither? Because I don't think either of them is going to do it. <laughs> I'll say neither. I mean, all right, fine. I don't want to cop out. If like, you had one that has a better chance, just because I think Clemson is due for one in the conference, I'll say Miami, just because we, I think Clemson is due for one in the conference, like you okay. said. Um, Georgia, I think they – they rebounded well and put the beat down on Auburn in the deep south. If this was ever a spot, though, for Tennessee, because they got Georgia has Bama next week, so they Tennessee sandwiched in between Auburn and Bama. I don't think there will be any look ahead because yes, that, that's, a good a, team. that's what I was just going to say. Tennessee, so, if Tennessee were an unranked mediocre team, if this week was the Arkansas game that we saw Arkansas put up a fight against Georgia, if this week was the Arkansas game. I'd say maybe trap mm. game where you can see that game coming down to the wire. Maybe it has to go to overtime, but right. uh, I don't think George has taken Tennessee lightly with the way they've been and the way they've looked. So that's, that's the reason I, I am not afraid of that trap game situation. But I think like we said, Clemson maybe do, I won't, I'm not going to say Miami's going to win. I think Clemson wins by like 10, right. but just picking the two uh, Miami has a better chance of pulling the upset again, just because Clemson it's been so long since yeah. they've had a game like this in, in the ACC where, They've just been head and shoulders above everybody else. Head, shoulders, and great golden hair above everybody <laughs> else with Trevor Lawrence. So, yes. Uh, it'll, it'll be a fun weekend again, though, and next week, like you said, and a nice look ahead uh, to something we'll talk about next week for sure with that picture frame up over your left shoulder, uh, the Bama-Georgia game for next week. It's the game of the year, so absolutely looking forward to that. Um, NFL now, Joe, and we got mutual interest in the Jets game this week because my boy Joe Flacco started quarterback, Who? baby. Who? Joe Flacco. Who? Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Joe, the Jets, once again, Vegas has given them some respect. Cardinals are coming off two losses, and they're only touchdown fifth. What does Vegas know? I already know this is going to be the number one Joe Malpo. Best bet of the week. Not number one. Not number one. But stay tuned. (laughs) I I just – I mean, with like, if it, if Darnold was starting, I could maybe see seven. But with Flacco starting, Flacco's starting. I just don't. Makai Becton. I, I might talk myself into making this my number one pick. You know what? Now that you're bringing it up, <laughs> uh, the Flacco is a statue in the pocket. Makai Becton's out. The interior offensive line hasn't been good. Lewis has been up and down. Van Roten not great. McGovern banged up. George Fan has been really good at right tackle. Ooh. Him home run by Luke Voigt as I'm watching Tampa Yankees uh, as we're recording this Thursday. What score that game? One, one nothing right now. Luke Voigt crushed one. Um, mm. Back to football. Uh, <laughs> I, with all of that being said for the Jets, the offensive line, as bad as it is, especially with Beckton out, who's been stellar, and Joe Douglas seemed so far through a month to have knocked that pick out of the park. Uh, Joe Flacco can't move. We saw it last year in the Den- when he was with Denver. He cannot move in the pocket anymore. He was yeah. never that mobile to begin with ever since his early stage of his career, but he's not mobile, and he doesn't have protection. I don't know. If Donald was out there, Donald could create magic and, and create havoc with his legs. We saw the 40-yard touchdown run the other night. We've seen his highlight reel plays all season long when he gets out of the pocket. Joe Flacco can't get out of the pocket. He, all those plays that for Donald turn into magic are going to be sacks. I don't care that the Cardinals' defense isn't great. They're going to get to Joe Flacco. They're going to bring him down. And the Jets' offense isn't going to do anything. I don't get right. it. And, and the Jets' defense, forget about the Jets' defense. The Jets' defense is one of the worst in the league. And this is a get-right game for the Cardinals after the offense struggle last week. I don't get it, PJ. I, I jumped on – I'll tell you this. I jumped on this game when the – so last week, October 1st-ish. Yeah. When, like eight the, and a half when, the, when the early line came out, it first came out at seven. I hit it at seven because I was like, oh, this is one that's going to jump up to like 11 or 12. And then I could hit it the other way and have that little range where I went both yeah. yeah. And it stayed at seven. And I'm like, all right, fine. But it stayed at seven. I don't get it. Right. 
Look, the NFL this week for spreads, it's a money line parlay kind of week. I mean, there's a lot of the Ravens are big favorites, the Chiefs are big favorites, Arizona's touchdown, Pittsburgh's touchdown, the Rams, another one that's interesting. They're only a touchdown. San Francisco's nine. And there's been a lot of line movement as well. Falcons started up uh, at, at three and least, a half. I at least yeah. saw it at four. Three and a half, yeah. four. Um, Down Chiefs Raiders, I at least saw that at 13 and a half, now 11 and a half. Uh, Rams, Washington football team, I at least saw it at 10. Now it's seven and a half. There's been a lot of movement, everything but the Jets game, apparently. Yeah, uh, I, yeah Dallas yeah. now is down to eight and a half. It's been at nine and they a were half. We're at 10, I saw at one point. 10. So every, a lot of movement this week. It's a really so interesting if you had, uh If you had a guess for who you think of all those big spreads, if you like an upset pick for the week, what would your upset pick be? Of a team, mm. touchdown, favorite, or more? All right, so after we hit this, I want to definitely hit it, get into the Titans, because that's uh, – yes. I saw another bit of news break on that on my phone as well. So Yeah, last uh, question, I, then you can go into I, I think uh, – I want to say the Dolphins against the Niners. Just because I, I, th- all right, I think the Niners are better, if it's Beathard out there, than Mullen. And I, they just the, – the Dolphins, we saw them give the Seahawks a little run until late in that game. Like – with, with Fitzpatrick starting, anything goes for the Dolphins. And they're sure. not a horrible team. No, they're so, not. Anything goes. They're not horrible. The Niners are still really banged up. Uh, Jimmy G is questionable, but all signs are pointing to, to Beathard starting. If Jimmy G starts, different story. But then again, there's really not much of a gap, I don't think, between Jimmy G and, and Beathard, to be honest, from what we've seen. So I'll say the Dolphins. Um, I don't think the Eagles really have a shot against the Steelers. Not off the bye. No, I don't think the – the Jets have a chance against the Cardinals. I don't think the Washington football team has much of a chance against the Rams. Uh, I don't think the Raiders have any chance against the Chiefs. The Giants-Cowboys, it's a must-win situation for the Cowboys. And their offense has been unstoppable. It's just been their defense that's bad. But they're going up against the Giants offense that can't get into the double digits. So I think it's it's one of those get-right games for the Cowboys where they'll come out and win that game like 38-13. to Yeah. Uh, so I, I would just by default, uh, I end up saying the Dolphins again, just because maybe if it's magic, banged up Niners team, that's really it. If the Rams didn't struggle so much last week with the Giants, I think Washington could give them a game. But um, exactly, because they struggled. At, and it's Sean McVay against that organization. He'll run up the score if he has a chance to. So that's why I'm not no afraid doubt. of that one. Um, uh, but Titans, I, I saw – I Go saw it, it during the – again, as we're recording this tonight on Thursday, um, it came out that the plan is for the game to be Tuesday. If it gets canceled for Tuesday, it'll revert – I'm sorry, it'll be Tuesday with the Bills-Chiefs game then pushed to Sunday instead of Saturday. But if the Tuesday game does not happen because there's more positive tests for the Titans, then it'll revert back to the normal schedule. It'll still be bills chiefs on Thursday. Okay, and then they they haven't said what will happen to the Bills-Titans game. They have not. If it gets canceled, you imagine maybe – At some point, they're going to have to forfeit, man. Exactly, and that's what I wanted to get into now. With all we've heard coming out from the Titans' side, again, reports have to be confirmed, waiting for official word. But you've seen bits and pieces, and we're, we're, we're trying to piece together this whole investigation right now with what's going on with the Titans. The reports coming out are that – Mike Frabel has just disregarded a lot of the protocols. The players got together when they weren't supposed to, to work out. All these little things that were just wanton disregards for the health and safety of the players. And the shield, you know, talk about protecting the shield all the time. You think the NFL is happy right now to see a team have this kind of outbreak? Absolutely not. not. Nope. Uh, And uh, now the guy I'm about to mention is notorious for overblowing things and having reports that need to be walked back. Mike Florio, that should be a pause there. Let, let that simmer for a second. He came out and he said some of the things he's been hearing through the grapevine are $10 million fine, Vrabel suspended the rest of the season, and forfeiture of a first-round pick. And, PJ, I don't think that's harsh enough. Uh, honestly. Really? Honestly, given the magnitude of the situation, that, that should be – I don't know what else you could do, um, but that should be worse. Honestly, it should be because coming into this year, I mean, on one hand, obviously the safety and health of the players, first and foremost. Then beyond that, 
if this game gets forfeited, now you're messing with the pockets of the Bills players because per the CBA, if a game is forfeited, no game checks for either team. True. So now you're messing with the Bills' money. True. And now if all of a sudden this outbreak's bad and you're forfeiting more future games, now all of your opponents, that's money out of their pockets. It's money out of the league's pocket because of TV deals. And it's mm. overall bad PR for the league. So this is 10 times worse than anything the Patriots did with Spygate or Deflategate or even the Saints with Bountygate. This, is, this blows out of the water because yeah. this, is, this is a matter of life and death for the players as far as the virus itself or the staff as far as the virus itself, life and death. And then money for not just your players, but opponents and the league. This is a huge deal, and it needs to be made a huge deal so that other teams around the league don't look at it and say, oh, you know what? It's not too bad. Let's, uh, let's see what kind of competitive advantage we can get by uh, skimming some of these protocols here. No, you've got to come down hard on them, and you can make the case that if those reports are true of first-round pick suspension for variable $10 million, I don't know that that even fits the crime because this is this is I don't even know that there's a word for it. This is just unimaginably stupid and reckless. I guess is the best way to put it. From the yeah. Titans. Well, we've been talking about be the NFL. They had the benefit of watching other leagues return, put their protocols in. They knew these situations were inevitable. They were going to happen, and how they would react to them. And we've seen the Patriots have a couple positive tests. The Chiefs had Jordan Tiamu with positive tests, but there hasn't been outbreaks. So clearly, whatever the Titans are exactly. doing, they are breaking protocol. It's such a bad look for them that these other teams, exactly like you mentioned, I'm glad you brought that up, are dealing with one or two and not having any issues. They clearly right. screwed up intentionally, apparently, in some places because they didn't care. So and It's just it's so stupid, Joe, because they're already lucky enough that they're playing. I mean, yes. not many people thought football would be played it's been good so far. If you take the Titans out of it, it's been great so far. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've really been doing a good job. So the fact that they're screwing it up for everybody, like you said, they're taking money possibly out of people's paychecks. It's, you know, they could be affecting people and employees and players. It's, it's not a good look. And, uh, you know, you make a good point that probably it really isn't harsh enough. And if they don't play the Bills game this week, I hope that the league just says, you know what, you're forfeiting mm-hmm. these games. Because and don't get me wrong. Not... Like it's, that's a harsh penalty. Don't get me wrong. But honestly, there should be more. Because yeah. that is, what, the, what is going on with them, if the reports are true, that Vrabel essentially just didn't care about things like the masks and this and that. And players aren't really encouraged to wear masks. Like that's just unbelievably stupid. Like I said, that, that's, I, I want to think of a fancier, more eloquent way to put it, but that's, that's, the, that's what it boils down to. It's just unbelievably, unimaginably stupid right. and reckless. And, and like you said, it ruins, I mean, it ruins it for everybody. It ruins it for the fans. It ruins it for the league. It ruins it for the players. It ruins it for just everybody involved in the situation. And, you know, you see all the trickle-down effects. It's just one mm-hmm. team having an outbreak, how that affects it's not like baseball where you can play double headers and catch exactly. up. I mean, you can exactly. only play so many games in a week. So, Hopefully. at some point, at some point, forfeiture of their season needs to be in the cards here. Now, you'd hope in that event, um, if they miss this week and they miss next week and they can't get this under control, you hope the CBA and, and, and can maybe the, the NFLPA and the uh, the owners can I find mean, something in yeah. the CBA to allow the players on the opposing teams to still get paid. Maybe make the Titans pay their paychecks. How about that for something? And I've got for any ideas. <laughs> if, if they if they can't get on the field this week and they can't get on the field next week, and now we're at three games, rest of their season forfeit. You're gone. You're done from the league. As uh, people were talking about with the Cardinals, once the Cardinals started missing more and more games, that's it. This year, the rest of the year, 31 teams. As part of that penalty, Titans are paying the game checks of all their opponents. There we go. That's a penalty I can get behind in addition to suspension. At, well, I guess the suspension for Vrabel would be next year then because there wouldn't be any games to suspend him for for this year. Um, but in addition to the fine, in addition to the draft pick, that's something. You pay your opposing team's pay- paychecks. Right. That's it. I like it. I like it. They need to be penalized as harsh as can be because this is just totally unacceptable. Um, we've spent enough time ragging yeah. the Titans. It's a big <laughs> issue, but – uh, it's time to move forward, PJ. I'll yes, let you, I'll, I'll leave the floor to you. I Joe, uh, I was just warming up. You know, we got <laughs> off to a little bit of a struggle first three weeks. I was feeling out the grain. We had a nice four in one week. Um, 
I did tell you the Giants would keep it close against the Rams when you had your Rams, Ravens, big spread parlay. I went seven and two just overall with other I mean, Joe, I had a great week. I stand so, by that parlay, by the way. I stand by it. I mean, look, if you would have told me the Giants would have scored nine points, I would have liked the Rams. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm covering. It's it's pretty incredible they didn't cover. Um, all right, so we got a fresh new five this week. Joe is nine and eleven on the season. I am six and fourteen. Joe, since you are leading, start us off your number five best bet of the week. All right, so I will start off on Thursday night. I usually like to start off on Thursday night. Looking at my screen right now, the number is inexplicably three in the Buccaneers Bears game. So I'm taking the Bucks minus three. Uh, this is one of those again where I don't. Sometimes you just throw out the line movement and you look at the facts. And Tom Brady's twelve and two on Thursday night, 12-2 and two on the short week. While it's an issue that has affected most of the league where players don't necessarily perform up to their standards on Thursday nights, he is 12-2. and two. Uh, Mike Evans was questionable. Scotty Miller was questionable. Both are active, as is Leonard Fournette. Uh, for the Bears, Nick Foles starting quarterback. Tom Brady is one of the most vengeful people in sports ever since Michael Jordan, as we saw in the last dance. You think he remembers that Nick Foles beat him for that Super Bowl ring? Just a little bit. Okay, a little so... Bit. He's got him opposed as the opposing starting quarterback, 12 and two on Thursday nights, minus three. I mean, that's a ridiculous number. I, it started this week at minus five and a half. Um, I thought it was going to go the other way. I was actually surprised to see it come down to three, but I'll take the free three and that's, that's fine by me. My number five of the week. I like the college slate more than I do the NFL this week. My number five is going to the SEC. This one is all about the number. I'm taking Texas A&M plus six and a half against Florida just because of how odd the number is. When I looked ahead and I saw these two teams were playing, I'm like, Florida's probably nine and a half, 10, 11 point favorites. Opened up at six, six, uh, six and a half, seven. I'm like, really? And it just hasn't moved at all. All the money's coming in on Florida. And Vegas loves A&M. I mean, they opened up as 30 point favorites against Vandy, one by five. They opened up as 13-point underdogs against Bama. That quickly shot up to 17. They lost by 28. And then here's Florida again getting a lot of love against the Gators. Florida and Bama have a lot of similarities, great offenses, defenses that you can score points on. So it's, it's surprising that A&M's only 6.5, but I'm trusting the wise guys out in the desert. Um, and A&M, I mean, they're due. Jimbo Fisher, he's got his recruits starting to come into the program. A&M gets all these kinds of chances playing in the SEC to upset top five teams. They haven't been able to do it yet. I think they got a real shot to pull the upset this weekend, but at the very least hoping that they lose by maybe a field goal or four points, A&M plus six and a half. All right, PJ. When I had the bigger lead before the one and four week, I I was more likely to take risks with some some good value money lines of dogs. I'm still picking a dog, and I, I will still advise to maybe sprinkle on the money line for this one. But I'm going to take Boston College at home getting six against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh lost last week against NC State. Boston College had a really good performance at home last week. Uh, they're a very solid team at home, always well coached, always a tough out in the ACC. They're always in that pinstripe bowl at a pesky six and six yeah. or seven and five. So you know what you're getting out of Boston College. And uh, they're coming off of a really, like I said, good performance at home. They only lost by four to now number eight UNC. Now they're at home again against an unranked pit team that uh, I think is getting a little bit too much credit uh, for the good start or performance against NC State. I am tempted to take Boston College money line. I won't just because uh, I want to make sure I get a W here. So I'll take the six points, but I will advise to maybe sprinkle on the money line as well in that game. Give me Boston College plus six at pick number four. You know, we could make a rule that, like, if you take a money line dog that's maybe six points or higher, then it counts as two points to make it interesting. Possibly. You know what Possibly. I'm saying? We, we could talk Possibly. about that for upcoming weeks. All, All right. right, BC plus the six. I'm going to the NFL for number four, Joe, and I like the Texans minus six against the Jags this week. I just think there's a lot of things working for the Texans. Obviously, getting rid of a Bill O'Brien I think is going to be huge for that team. Romeo Cornell in his career as an interim head coach when he's taken over for coaches that have been fired midseason, pretty good. The Texans are 0-3. 
They know they excuse me, and four. Yeah, they know they need a win. They obviously had that brutal start to their schedule. They weren't able to beat Minnesota last week. They need a win. And Joe, I think Jacksonville. There's still this stigma around them that they might be a pretty decent team because they beat Indy Week One, and then they kept it close with Tennessee Week Two. But then we saw them get blown out by Miami at home week three, and then they just lost to the Bengals week four. I think the Jags are starting to turn into the team that we thought they would be a little bit to start the season, and the Texans just they need a win badly. So I'm willing to swallow the six at home with Houston. All right, I go to the NFL for number three, and similar position here, team that's 0-4. Uh, Falcons minus one at home against the Panthers. Now, the Falcons – haven't okay they've looked dreadful in the last minute of games last two minutes of games but uh they they should very well be a two and two team at worst and uh their offense is really really good the panthers defense has performed admirably the last couple of weeks but it's still not a good defense i think the falcons will put up points dan quinn on the hottest of hot seats apparently because adam gase still has uh the blackmail (laughs) on the jets ownership so yeah. Quinn is now on the hottest hot seat with O'Brien having gotten fired. He's coaching for his job. He's eight and two against the Panthers. And that includes a win when they were in their 15 and one season, mm. the Panthers during Quinn's first season, uh, eight and two against the Panthers are at home. This line probably is only at one because of perception with the Panthers coming off two wins and the Falcons being on four, but the Falcons are still the much better team. And this line, for me, probably should have been somewhere in the neighborhood of four or five. I think the Falcons win. I think the Falcons actually win big, talking like between seven, upwards of ten. They'll touch maybe double digits. At least a touchdown, possibly double digits. I'm very confident in the Falcons this week. Hope I don't look like an idiot, but Quinn's back to the wall, and he's had success against the Panthers. The offense has been tremendous. I think the Falcons get it done here. Number three for me, I'm going back to college, back to the SEC told you Kentucky, Mississippi State. I was going to play that game. I like Kentucky at home, minus two against Mississippi State. Kentucky's 0-2 to start the year, and they got Auburn on the road week one to start it. They were in that game, had their chances, couldn't win it. They lost a tough one last week at home to Ole Miss in overtime. But Kentucky, I mean, they need a win. And I think Arkansas gave teams a little bit the blueprint for how to maybe slow down Mike Leach. You saw it when Washington would play Mississippi State with Coach Peterson when he was with the Huskies. You rush three, drop eight against the air raid. That's what you do. Kentucky's a well-coached team. They got a great offensive line. I think they'll control the clock. They'll keep Mississippi State's offense off the field. And I love the number, minus two. They win by a field goal. You're a winner. So take the Wildcats at home against Mississippi State. All right. Said I wasn't putting the Jets number one. I'll put them at number two. Okay. I mean, the Cardinals minus seven for the reasons I already highlighted. Joe Flacco is a statue. The offensive line, not great. The weapons are coming back, but the defense is horrible. Kyler Murray should throw for all the yards. Kenyon Drake hates Adam Gase. He should run for all the yards. Uh, I'll take the Cardinals minus seven. Very nice. Number two, um, this is my favorite play of the week in the NFL. They're making Min- number one. Oh, oh in the NFL. Okay. In the NFL. <laughs> Minnesota plus seven against Seattle. I told you last week I love the Eagles. A big part just because Sunday night football games have been close. This is a Sunday night game. Seems like every year the Vikings and Seahawks meet in prime time. I don't know what it is, but they just always do. And the Vikings, I think they're a much better team than people realize. Look, week one, they got the Packers. They're pretty good. Week two, they got the Colts coming off that Jags loss. That was a tough spot. Week three, they played Tennessee. They lost by two points at home. Then they bounced back last week on the road at Houston. Now they got Seattle. Look, the Seahawks have been winning, but they don't really blow anybody out. Their games are always close. They come down to the last possession. Their two games that they've played so far at home this season have come down to the last possession. They needed a goal line stand against New England. And then Dallas, that game came right down to the wire. So I think Minnesota is going to keep it close. I think they even have a chance at winning the game, but at the very least, plus seven, Minnesota, my number two play of the week. All right. Number one for me, we touched on it. I like the Cowboys this week, minus nine. Once that number uh, stayed below 10, I felt more confident in it. Uh, Probably would have taken it to 10 anyway, to be honest. The Cowboys offense, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, Dak Prescott has thrown for over 450 yards three weeks in a row. That's a first. 
their defense is horrible, but the Giants' offense is horrible. So it, it's a good matchup for the Cowboys. Look, they came out week one and only put up 17 against the Rams, but then 40 in a win, 31 in a loss, 38 in a loss. There's no stopping that offense. Now, granted, they also gave up 39, 38, and 49, respectively, in those games. But Mike McCarthy, a good professional coach, uh, I think the team got chewed out this week, and they know that they got to come out and respond. The division is there. It's the one, two, and one it's Eagles the in the, the way that's right the beauty now. Beauty of the NFC. So the Cowboys there. know that they could take this division yeah. by the scruff of the neck with a win here, just like that. The Giants, sixteen points against the Steelers, uh, thirteen barely against the Bears, nine against the Niners, nine against the Rams. Their offense is terrible. Their defense equally terrible. Uh, the Cowboys, I think, like I said, run a rough shot over them, something like 38-13. There's no stopping their offense, period. The Giants' defense played its probably best possible game against the Rams last week and still lost 17-9. Division rivals at home. Cowboys have fans. Give me the Cowboys minus nine. I'm not afraid of the number. Joe, we talked about the Red River rivalry. That is my number one pick of the week. I'm going Oklahoma minus a half point in the first half. I think they're going to win the game, but I love the fact that it's basically a pick them in the first half. Texas, they're lucky to be 1-1 one and one in the Big 12. They should have lost to Texas Tech. They've not been getting off to good starts. Oklahoma hasn't lost two consecutive games in the Big 12 for 30 years. I mean, they're going to come out ticked off. I think they're going to be rolling on all cylinders. Texas will be able to score on Oklahoma, but they won't be able to stop them. I think the first half, especially, Oklahoma will be able to string together some stops, get out to a lead, and I like the Sooners minus the half point in the first half. Those are our five best bets of the week, so we'll see how those go. Joe leads me by three in those, and Joe, as always, it's time for trivia to end the episode. Um, I once again forgot what the standings are. <laughs> uh, I believe I the standings are eight and a half to six and a half in favor of you. Okay. I know you're up two. I'm just blanking on whether it's nine and a half to seven and a half or eight and a half to six no, and a half. I, I'm I pretty remember. sure it's eight and a half to six and a half. I think you're right. Eight and a half. And let's write that down to make sure. <laughs> I am uh, we, writing we that down. To, it's, like the, it's like the meme of the, of the dude who's like with his girlfriend and he looks back. And that obviously caught on, I guess, two years ago or so now. Uh, we've started to... Uh, focus on the bets that we almost like lost track of what the trivia score is, but we went back and looked eight and a half, six and a half. So I Beautiful. closed the gap last week. I got mine right. You got yours wrong. I'll close that gap. So here we are in episode 20. Uh, I will concede the floor to you if you want to go first or sure. guess first. It's yeah, up to you. Uh, I, you can ask me your I point. will ask you first. Okay. Yes. You are in the lead. I think I got a good one. I think you'll like it. So uh, thinking about Dak Prescott and how he is just far and away the passing leader right now in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, looking at the, the leaders, end of season passing yard leader over the last decade, decade and a half. And obviously, Breeze, Brady, Manning, they populate the list almost in its entirety. So I want you to give me four of the last five guys, not named Breeze, Manning, or Brady, to lead a single season in passing yards. Understood? For the last five guys, not named Breeze, Manning, or Brady. Okay. No, no time frame here. Just four of, the, four of the last five guys not named Breeze, Manning, or Brady to lead the league in passing yards. Got it. All right. Time starts I'm ready. Now. All right. Rodgers? Rodgers did not make the list. Okay. Strike one. Uh, Stafford? Stafford did not make the list. Strike two. PJ, you're, you're pulling a Joe B performance here. You're coming right out of the gates with two strikes. Oof. I got another. All right. Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger is one of them. Correct. Okay. Um, not Russell Wilson. It could be Romo. Um, let's see. It wouldn't be Eli. Uh, man, I thought Stafford was one for sure. Um, 40 seconds gone, two strikes. See. I mean, I don't think it's Mahomes. I'll say Romo. Not Romo. No, was Quick it Mahomes? Strikeout. Was it Mahomes? Not Mahomes. Oh, okay. Roethlisberger led it that year. Yeah, this the is last, a good question. The last five. Jameis Winston this past year. Thought you would get that one at least. Yeah. It was Ben in 2018. Then, guy not named Breeze, Manning, or Brady 
you have to go all the way back, counting backwards from 2017, you got to go all the way back to 2010, the last time one of those guys didn't lead the league in passing yards. It was Philip Rivers. Wow. Yeah. The year before that, it was Matt Schaub. Oh. And then from 20, 2009, you got to go all the way back to 04 for the fifth of the five names for Dante Culpepper. Oh, so those God. are the last five guys, not named Breeze, Manning, or Brady, to lead the wow. league in passing yards. I thought you would get Ben Rivers and Winston. It was just a matter of could you pull Schaub or Culpepper. I try not to give you questions that I know that I can't myself answer. I knew Schaub just because I had him on my fantasy team for three years in a row. So that's why I went with the – Would never have gotten – when you say Schaub, though, if I would have thought about it long enough because Matt Ryan won the MVP that year, I might have said him leading the league in pass yards that one year. But uh, Winston, I should have gotten. Rivers would not, would not have gotten. Culpepper, I mean, forget no, about No, no. <laughs> yeah. That was just um, I wanted to make it a round number of five that, and, that was a and good give one. you the leeway in case you somehow pulled Culpepper. <laughs> that, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, all right, your question, a bit easier. College football, we're going to. And uh, – so the Big 12 has been a mess so far to start this year. There's been a lot of change of teams that have been ranked and teams that haven't been ranked. So we'll see how close you've been paying attention to the Big 12. There are three teams that are currently ranked in the Big 12 right now. Can you name those three teams? Just the, the current teams, not, not current who teams. has at some Just point right now. been ranked yep. or not been ranked. Okay. Right now. Name the current teams. All right. I know Texas is still in there. They are, and that's one. I didn't look at the rankings this week. I should have looked at the rankings. After beating Oklahoma, Iowa State has to be in there. They are 24th, so you have to. All right. So they're 22 and 24. So that means somebody's ranked higher. Oklahoma lost. It's definitely not TCU yet. Texas Tech hasn't been good. Uh, Kansas is horrible. Um, this is more going to just be a test of my memory of Big 12 teams than, than anything else, honestly, here. Uh, oh, Oklahoma State. There you go. Okay. Well done. They struggled, at the, they struggled in their first game, but they brought it home. The Pokes. Uh, yes, sir. They, they, they brought it home. All right. Closing the gap here, too, with eight and a half to seven and a half. Uh, and I've got the three-pick lead in, in betting. So we each have one. But the gap closer here than it is in the picks. But you can only move the needle one point each week in trivia. You can move it up to five in betting. So I'd say <laughs> you have the better chance of making the quicker comeback than I do. True. That is true. Well done. Um, that was a good question, the passing yards question. I didn't know if you would say Texas. I thought maybe you would think they I, I would drop just out. just because they did win the first game, first couple games, and then it's only one loss. It, it, was, a, it was a bad loss, but TCU gets respect. They always have, and they always will. Any team – for TCU in the last really 10 years, you can't really look at one of them and say they were horrible. Like they're always pesky. Some have been Rose Bowl caliber good. So I think there was some respect given there and it was a close game. Texas fumbled at the one yard line going in. It yeah. could have very easily been fumbled at the one yard line after two plays in a row in which they were stopped just short of the goal line. So like, it wasn't a bad loss. It was literally game of inches. They were like, they, you know, between your thumb and forefinger sure. away from winning that game. So I thought they would hold on. So th there you go. TCU. And Iowa State, Iowa State had to. I mean, I was going to say them, whether, whether it turned out to be a strike or not, I had to say them. I mean, you get the win against Oklahoma, there's going to be consideration there. Let's not forget, they were a dark horse uh, college football playoff team before they came out and opened the year with a loss. So I figured that they would get some respect back. But it almost tripped me up on Oklahoma State because they haven't really been talked about much yet because they right. haven't had that marquee opponent in the Big 12 yet, like some of the other teams have. Right. They are actually the only Big 12 team left that is undefeated, if you can yeah. believe it or not. Because, yeah. because they, they played nobody. So it's just – Right. It's just, they got Kansas right last week. They got yeah. West Virginia. Yeah, they haven't played. Before. Exactly. When they, if they would have played a, even a Texas Tech or an Oklahoma, like I would have noticed that they'd probably be ranked. But, like, I probably, had, I probably haven't watched a single minute of Oklahoma State football yet this year without thinking about it because – they didn't play anybody, so that just wasn't on my radar. So yeah, that, you're that not, would have been the team that tripped me up. Yeah, you're not missing much. So, uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State. Joe, 20 episodes in the book. Hopefully 20 more. A lot of yes. fun. Hoping to have our guests next week. I think Everybody's... we're set on the guests now for a couple more weeks. It was just yeah. 
things are picking up. Everything coming right. to the head people here. People are and, busy. Exactly. exactly. So, well, we had we had it made during quarantine. Like people people couldn't say no. You you ask for a request to to do the podcast. What are they going to say? No, I'm calling a game. No, I'm out here covering this game. No, you you're you're literally at your house. Right. We had our pick. Happen. We had our pick of what they're like. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. what day do you want? Now exactly. it's like, can you do this at like this certain time? Exactly. Yeah, so, but, but and again, because in the next couple of weeks, because stuff's picking up and we have so much going on, it's easy just to do the two of us every now and then, which is okay. nice. So looking forward to our guest next week, Joe, hopefully you go own five in best bets this week. Hopefully I go. <laughs> you five too. You too, my friend. Hopefully yeah. you go own five. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Very fun. All right, and we don't actually have any similar picks this week. So one of us, True. Uh, true. We we could we could possibly have the Look, same. I I hope you're at least wrong with the Jets. I hope Joe Flacco just one more time has a great <laughs> game, comes through, wins it. So we'll see what happens. A lot of fun. All right, Joe. Well, look, we got some Thursday night football to go watch. We got two playoff baseball games tonight. I mean, we still got a lot of action on. Still got it made. At least, for another, at least for another month until football is the only show in town. But I'm not complaining about football being the only show in town. So Absolutely not. Until All next right. week, episode 20 of the books. Come back for 21. Legal to do a lot more things, episode 21. <laughs> and next week, we'll we cap it off with a couple of beers ourselves if that's even allowed on a, on a podcast. Not that you can see us drinking it anyway. We could. We couldn't be. Anybody who looks at us on YouTube will see it, but anybody who's listening on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud, you won't they know. They won't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Enjoy the weekend of football, everybody, and baseball, and all else that there still is, NBA Finals, and have some fun. Come back next week for episode 21, where we'll apparently have some fun. See you next time.